Hey, hey, welcome back to another exciting, thrilling, spectacular, drama-filled episode of Don't Ruin This For Me, a podcast where we're definitely going to ruin it for you. <laughs> Sorry. Every single time. Sorry. Um, this week, we're getting our very first boys peeping into the locker room moment. That's sort of shocking, because we've yes. seen a lot of movies, um, but we're watching Fame. Fame. I'm, I'm gonna, gonna live forever. forever. I'm, I'm gonna learn how to fly. Hi! So fucking great. It's, um, so it's, it's so a good. movie. It was released in 1980. It has a killer soundtrack, as we just gave you. Yes. I'm not going to be able yes. to listen to this episode now that we've started it that way because I have a terrible singing voice. I can barely listen to my speaking voice. Well, we're gonna. You know, we've been singing a lot of songs lately. We've we done really "Eye of the Tiger." That was that was clutch. We had to. Right, and yeah. then we did this one. I can't remember what was last week's, but anyway, so it's funny. Like, we have been singing, but anyway, this movie has a killer soundtrack it has a diverse cast very it's got fucking new york yes this is like i love this new york and absolutely it, it's really just a montage right there's no storylines which is fine the 80s love not montages i mean there's yeah. no there's absolutely no plot to this movie 100 percent. which is the thing that i did not remember about the film i thought it had a plot line. yes um and i'm so glad that you mentioned that because yes. now i don't have to um, <laughs> I was like, whoever wrote this saw a chorus line and was like, we're going to make a movie. That is actually true. A hundred percent. That is a fact. Yeah. Um, and I've loved this movie since I was a kid, probably at eight or nine when I first saw it. And I loved it so much mm-hmm. that I saved up my own money and I bought the cassette tape, which was like gray with black Ooh. writing. And it came in a little, little cassette holder. Yeah. And I carried it with me everywhere I went from when I was eight or nine until I was in my early 20s and I moved from California to Chicago. You are a little artist. And I played it in my little Sno- Sony Walkman. Mm-hmm. And it's. It was a vibe. It she's, was a real vibe. She's got a heart of an harvest, you guys. <laughs> and that's what we're going to be talking about. I'm so excited about talking about art school, choosing a creative life, and really how easily dreams can lead you <laughs> to taking your top off on camera. And sucking your thumb. Yeah. Sucking your it's thumb. Ha- it happens to the best of us. <laughs> when a pornographer says, suck your thumb, you better suck your thumb. I'm so excited. Like a little schoolgirl. <laughs> this week's uh, guest is Corbett Pasco, because not only wait, why did I write that? I don't know. I you said I'm so psyched about this week's yes. guest. Well, anyways, <laughs> she is a writer, an actor, producer, host, singer, professional swearer, Ooh. comedian, impress- impressive injury haver. Ridiculous mom and very loud advocate for justice. So loud. So Because loud. I have seen loud. her. I've watched her on the TikToks where she loves to talk about being a Gen Xer. What did Corbett, what's your um, handle on, on TikTok again? It's really complicated. It's Corbett. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but that is, it's two R's and two T's because my parents were insane. So it's C O R R B E T T E. That's me on every social. And it's the it's, best. Her TikTok is just basically like, oh, you think you have problems? You go and try to like get cigarettes for your mom when you're seven. Oh. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just saying. But that is also, it's also a really important part of uh, what I do to not throw too much shade on younger gens. Like, oh, you should suffer too. We're not doing that. We're no. just letting you know, here's why we are the way we are. <laughs> We're a mess. Fame and buying cigarettes for our parents. That's absolutely I mean, true. honestly, like watch this movie. There you go. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> this movie is really, I can't wait till we start talking about it. But until we do. 
Well, Adriana, you left what out it, the, most, the most important thing about Corbett. She went to the Fame High School. That's true. But I thought I mentioned it earlier. Maybe it was just in our chit chat. It was. It's important for our listeners to know that we have a real live expert. I know. I'm so excited. It's yes. true. So yes. what have you been uh, up to this week, Adrian? Okay. The thing I'm really into right this very second, you guys, is Indian matchmaking. It's back on Netflix. By the time this episode comes out, it'll have been back for a while. But I just want to say that I really love Auntie Seema. As everyone knows, I am a woman on, in search of my true love. And Auntie Seema, you know, she comes to people's houses. She meets women like me who are not you know, they're Indian, I'm white, but you know, she comes in and she's like, what do you want? These women list all these things and Auntie Seema is like, bah! <laughs> you want hair? Go fuck yourself. Like, I love her. I love her. She's just like, no, you can't have hair. You can't have height. You can't have anything that you think you want because you're wrong. And you know what? I think she's fucking right. I, I think she's it. right. I want to bring her into my yes. life. I, it's Ooh. great. Yeah. That's great. I um, have still been on my SVU kick. Oh, my God. What are you doing? You're well, just like watching all the episodes in a row? No, I don't watch them in a row. I watch them randomly at random times whenever I'm feeling like I can't but like on, on an anything. app? Yeah. On, or you just on, on turn Hulu. to TBS. I just, I just go, <laughs> plunk, and it comes right. on. I mean, I want to know that there's an SVU app that you <laughs> yeah. can just like. Yeah, there should be. Know, well, emotional support SVU app. I will tell you, I keep being surprised at all the guest stars that show up. Uh, very much like when we do these movies, sometimes yeah. I'm like, "Whoa, there's Nicolas Cage!" Yeah. You know, um, and I think the storylines are just like they get crazy, and then they always have like these big social justice moments of like, "Well, do you believe in abortion?" And then they have to have a whole conversation yeah. that lasts with. And I just kind of think that one of the things that is joyous and perfect in the world is when Ice T has an opinion on abortion. Of course. You know, or trans rights. Of course. Perfect. You know he's perfect. on the right side of yes. that shit. The other That's thing right. I'm super, super obsessed with, let's talk, this 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 whole season has been kind of chaotic between the two of us and just like trying to... The season of SVU or our show? Of our show. Of our show. <laughs> <laughs> SVU is always chaotic. Incorrect. They are always about law and order. Okay. <laughs> It starts You're absolutely with, wrong. It starts with chaos, and then they create law and That's order. That's correct. And then, Thank yes. you, Adrian. Subsequently, Thank order. You. Yes. Um, so this week, you know, we've been we've been recording and trying to do our best, and um, <laughs> just and just trying to get the show off the ground. Yes. Um, very humbly, we yes. made a decision that we would try to do a fundraiser. We were and, so embarrassed. Yes. <laughs> so it took so us. It took us like almost seven months to decide to like actually push the button literally i think it was summer when we were like maybe we should have a fundraiser <laughs> <laughs> to be clear it's the end of april right this second and then at some point we were like we're never gonna do this fundraiser because we can't ask anybody for money or support in any way why would anyone ask, look at us right why would so anyone care about us yes and so we just started recording and like our, we don't even have a production date of release we're just paying money we're yes. just paying just, it we're like we don't know what the fuck we're doing take our money we have no money take it yes yeah and uh we hit the like, we, we believe in this podcast so much <laughs> Lift middle-aged women's voices. Listen, I believe in that. I fucking believe in that because I will tell you what. Yes. I tried to watch an episode of Girls recently and I was like, why does anyone, why do, like as a society, we're like so obsessed with 20-year-olds? Like, these people are fucking idiots. They don't know anything. We know all sorts of stuff and we know enough to know that we don't know anything. So it's like we're way more interesting. Yeah. I completely agree. Yeah. 
So this week, I think we have to do a big shout out and a I'm completely obsessed with yes all the people who helped donate on our GoFundMe. We went we asked for twenty five hundred dollars. We ended up with close to three grand. No, we we have we we did it. it. Yes, I was in Toronto. I wasn't checking the GoFundMe. No, I the reason I know this is because someone commented on your Facebook post and said, "I just took you to an even three grand." Oh my god! Oh my god! Right here. Yes. Right here. Yeah, I we, saw it yesterday. We found out that, yeah. uh, wow, I didn't know that. Yes. Thank you, whoever that was, because I haven't checked my I think Facebook it was somebody either. Named Jimmy? I, I love a Jimmy. I don't know. I don't know. I don't <laughs> know who it was. It was not someone His that name I. Is- it's Jimmy Three Grand. Forever. Yeah, 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 yeah. Jimmy Three Grand. It's not somebody that we knew together. And I really do want to also shout out, like, listen, every single person who donated a dollar, like, yes. we fucking love you. I looked at there and I was like, these are people I used to work with. Like, yes. these are like my Delta Zetas. Like, these are it's friends just like I haven't people, seen in a yes, long time or yes, talked to in a, while, yes. in a minute. It was amazing. But we do have to shout out basically our founding oh, donor. Goggles. 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 One of the only men on Team Tough Muff Bike team yeah and you know what you got to be an especially evolved man to be allowed on team tough yes and i will also say there are only two really and there's not very many as we've said before on this podcast we don't like most straight white dudes that's unfortunate goggles is definitely somebody who um has uh made that and and he is he is a way to look forward yes and to be like this is what white men should be he is our outlier we fucking love him he donated five hundred dollars to our fundraiser yeah is that amazing it's so amazing Amazing. so So, like basically he's a producer of this show now (laughs) we love you goggles and you know what we have some money we're gonna get some stickers. Yes, we are going to produce episodes. We yep. are going to have, have a sound have soundtrack, a, a little theme song. We're gonna have a theme song. We're gonna have a website. Like yes, we, this is gonna, we're oh, gonna we're, oh, we're gonna our have game. an LLC. We're yes. gonna have an LLC. Maybe we were like, do we need a business checking account? <laughs> like we're like not exact. Can we like have a business Venmo? Can they just put it there and then we'll send it out? We don't yes. know. We don't fucking know. But you know what? We'll get like a how to run a business for dummies book. Yep, mm-hmm. and we're there. So thank. You, thank you thank you yes i'm thrilled we're and we're, we're we're i mean honestly uh one thing that adrian and um i think corbett might might relate to this at some point because she's a gen x or two but like um we always feel like nobody paid attention to us as kids yeah and that like we couldn't really dream like you yeah. weren't allowed to necessarily have full dreams because yeah. your parents thought you were an idiot just to yes. think like your creative life yep. would take you anywhere. Listen, the fact that it was like 55 people donated to this campaign, Amazing. I was like, we have 55 listeners. Like, they, <laughs> yeah, you do, right? What? <laughs> what? <laughs> so, you know we what? Let's give the people what they came for. Yes. And, you know, I, Adrian's already said it, but thank you, thank you, <laughs> thank you, thank you. We are fucking thrilled we're so excited all right let's get the show going what do you yeah, think yeah, about yeah. that we're going right. to talk about creative dreams and fundraising is part of creative dreams and here we are we're in new york city yes we're talking about fame and because this movie is wild it's essentially a montage it really is it's just like there's and there's just like you know there's performance music pieces in the middle at the end we love it so we're just going to talk about like the characters and set the stage for our recap because it's yes. it's way too montage to be like this happened this happened this happened <laughs> there's too, no, there's too much happening no. yeah there's and, no scaffold and I would also like to say that the school itself is its own character right like, yes it's always yep. so when we're describing the, main the character right <laughs> <laughs> Whose glass was shattered. Yes. 
I just want to ask enraged. you guys real quick before we recap. Do you like this movie? Corvette, I'll let, I'll let you answer. I, I do. I, do. I, I, I had to reconfirm uh-huh. that when I watched it on Saturday. I'm like, okay, remember, you were very young, and you've lived a long life since then. <laughs> this could be real corny. And I have to say, yeah, it is, but you know what? I love it. I'm here ah, for yes. all of its ridiculousness. You're like, are yeah. you fucking serious? They are fucking serious. Yes. And I'm I'm here for it. I love it. I love Elizabeth? it. Elizabeth? I don't love it. <laughs> she texted me this. Expound, I was, please. I was like, this is a long movie that never really goes anywhere. But in writing our recap, I was like, you know, maybe it does go somewhere. <laughs> Corbett. Maybe the place it goes is the friends we made along the way. Yes, but, um, exactly. Yeah. I wonder if Corbett and I are both a similar form of dreamer because oh. I loved this fucking movie. I mean, even there was, in the rewatch, I loved it as a kid. I loved it. In as a, a re- kid. so I want to. I want to clarify. I did take a whole five milligram edible. Oh well, that explains. Which is a lot for me. It's a lot right. for me. And I had some popcorn and I had some M&Ms and I like chilled out and I was like, man, fucking art. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yep. People with dreams. Yes. You're trying. Yes. Look at Leroy. Yes. Like, yeah. So, mm-hmm. so I watched the first like three fourths in that state and then I finished the end like on Saturday morning. Yeah. And I was not high. And I was kind of like, why is Ralph crying? <laughs> <laughs> Why are we at the Rocky Horror? And then I was just like, I was less I invested. So that's my my hot tip is yeah. like, wh- if you are a dreamer, if you're a creative, you know, get in your creative space yeah. when you watch this movie. Uh, I think the uh, the second half is is torture. <laughs> it's, I don't even. I I'm still not sure why Ralph was crying. <laughs> I had to read your recap. <laughs> I still don't know. I, that's the thing. I, when I say I love this movie, I also love the disaster trash that it also is. So yes. I'm like, what are you doing? You know what? Never mind. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what's yes. happening. It doesn't matter why. Why I have so many questions, but it's okay. And I actually watched this movie not high, which is a rare. <laughs> Like of all the movies that I'm like, nah, I'm not gonna. Uh, I'm just what? I'm just gonna chill on a Saturday and just just watch this sober. So I I think I went in like, let's go to this dumpster fire. And yeah. I I think some of that is personal bias from the dumpster fire at the actual school. But we'll get into that. I can't I can't wait to talk about it. I can't it. wait. So let's go over some of the characters. We're gonna go over like the real main yeah. ones, you know, because yeah. there's like mm. hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of right. kids. Well, it opens where at auditions, yes. how to get in. Everybody wants to get into this high school. So we're going to be at auditions and this is where we're going to meet the characters and the auditions go on for a long time. Right. So basically, uh, the way that we go down the characters, we'll just do basically from their freshman year until they're singing Body Electric. I'll sing <laughs> the Body Electric. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we're, we're doing. We're just. We're just going to give you the whole four years yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because Let's do it. Yeah. It is very abrupt, like that too. I it's noticed, like, like there's the senior years just all the way, all of a sudden just ended. passage of time yeah. is a blur. I noticed though on your recap, you did start with the white girl, the yes. most boring character, which I was fascinated about. Well, obviously, I, I would have started with Leroy. I, th- I mean, yeah. Leroy is definitely the best character, but yeah. the reason I started with Doris is because I think she opens the doors to the other characters. Oh that God, come, let's that, hear that it. are unfolding. Let's hear it. Um, so, are you sure it's not because she was in Greece too? Because that's why. Was she in Greece too? Doris. Yes, she was. Let's do it for our country. She was. I can't remember her name. I had to look her up. First of all, her last name is Tifi, and that's that's a thing. And I, I was like, why is she so familiar? This earnestness about her is so familiar and i looked it up I'm like oh my god 
oh my god she dated goose that's that's who she is <laughs> i didn't i was i had the same feeling i was like i know who she is and then i went out um so, um, so doris she comes in as a freshman she's a, a, a drama student she gets accepted she's to got the like program fucking pigtails on they're yes, like I, you don't have to sing she's like i will sing it's like a very dramatic weird overbearing like, mother yeah yes. i was like she's jewish i was like are we supposed to think she's good at this are we not i was confused well, but you know what that is what art school is and people judging you you don't know like we spent four years with her and nothing really ever really that extremely interesting in one way or the other happens to for her right like she's well, she a, goes to the rocky horror picture right. show she that's gets right. she gets uh she's a freshman in high school she's a drama student she meets this guy named montgomery after she gets very uncomfortable in the lunchroom when irene cara sings hot lunch <laughs> Right. Yes, there's a musical set piece. There. Yeah, there's a musical set piece, and I was like, "Oh my god!" They're is... dancing. The people are going nuts. She sneaks out. Doris Fucking sneaks out, and she meets, sees this cute little redhead guy who's like sitting in the stairs all alone, and that's yeah. Montgomery. So yeah. they become best friends. Yeah, and then the two of them are drama kids, and they like live together, like not live together, but they're best friends throughout the whole thing. Yeah, and then Montgomery sells drugs to a guy named Ralph, and then she well, ends then, up. She wrote that in here. Sells drugs. She has totally like erased the white collar crime of this all montgomery what? is like going to a psychiatrist which is oh, like very yes, new york yes and he's getting pills from the psychiatrist that uh-huh. he's selling it's not like he's like a cocaine dealer i like that you you're like there's there's different types well, of drug selling i'm just saying if people don't know who montgomery <laughs> Still, is well, that's what we're getting to important <laughs> and you also left out that his mother is an actress and she's never around because I, I haven't started talking about montgomery no, but when you wrote it down moving forward (laughs) moving forward in the storyline about doris doris starts banging ralph (laughs) yeah and then garcia yes and then she decides in her sophomore year that she is going to change her name to dominique Mm -hmm. and then she and ralph go out yeah it's super weird it's an actress name yeah well her whole thing is is like i'm concerned about my jewish heritage blah blah Mm -hmm. blah and then she um ends up dating ralph and then her and ralph go to rocky horror picture show oh when she's a freshman she also mike like likes this guy named mike she has a big crush on a senior who's going off to be a star yeah he's going to hollywood yeah so her junior year he's gonna be in a pilot he's gonna be in a pilot (laughs) william morris agency yes william morris Yes. And she um, ends up seeing uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show, and she and Montgomery and um, Ralph are having like breakfast or lunch or whatever. And she's like, "I got high during Rocky Horror Picture Show, and I can be whoever I want." And I love then, that for her. And then Mike shows up, and she's like, "Oh, Mike, he's a waiter. Me, he's, <laughs> he's a waiter. Yeah. He's like, yes, yeah. my career's in the fucking shitter. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, wait, yep. being an actor sucks. <laughs> and then you know, in her relationship with Ralph, she ends up. Um, he, Ralph ends up, which we'll talk about." Is like he becomes a stand comic. He goes down the shitter, and um, Doris and him have oh. a big fight. They break up, or they don't. We don't really actually We're know. Sure. They have the fight, and then they graduate high school. <laughs> I mean, that's fine. You know, it's yeah, a montage. Of course, it's a yeah. snapshot. And, and his uh, friendship with Montgomery remains intact. You know, yes. after he insulted Montgomery, and then Montgomery is still able to cuddle with him. Yeah, as a friend. Yeah, you know, that was a sweet little scene. Montgomery's big hearted. Right. Yeah. Well, should we talk he about really Ralph? Is. Well, let's talk about Montgomery, and then we'll talk yeah, about, we're talk about Montgomery coming first. up. Yeah, it's no yeah. problem. Yeah. Montgomery's gay. His mom's an mm-hmm. actress. He is seeing an analyst. Yep. He gets pills. Who is also his guardian. Yes. yes. Like, yes. His guardian well, is his yes. analyst. Yes, because his mother is gone. He's also in love with his analyst. Uh-huh. Montgomery's mm-hmm. very, you know, 
he's so sweet and nice and damaged and i want to i want to mother him i think um he I, is a new I, yorker I, through and through yes. he's a neurotic new yorker yes 100 yes they give him very like woody allen vibes yes, <laughs> do you think so? do. I, don't, yes. I don't feel like he's like so like squirrely well and he's i hate not woody allen squirrely. so it's hard for me to be like no i do hate woody allen no but, I, the, I, I, but I, the movie opens with montgomery giving like a uh, monologue mm-hmm. that feels very like woody allen ish to me yeah very new york mm-hmm. yeah art school I would also Which, say, go ahead. No, that's right. Again, I have a true anecdote from that, but we'll, we'll, we'll come back. <laughs> okay. I would also say that uh, the thing that's interesting about Montgomery's story is he's just basically the gay guy throughout the yeah. whole movie. There's like no oh, real yeah. like development but, of that or, but you or know storyline. What? It's 1980, and I will say that's the year I was born. So it was 43 years ago, and I will say one thing I loved about this movie is like the diversity. The oh like, yes. you know, like the city, like it, today, if you made this movie in the same way, I feel like it would the wokeness of it would be so much more performative. Like this movie feels authentic to me. Like they are like trying to show who these kids are that go to this school. And the, the, the facts are there are gay kids and there are Puerto Rican kids and there's black kids. You know what I mean? Like it feels yep. real. And for like 1980, you know, granted, would we like Montgomery to have more than just being the gay guy the gay guy sidekick yes but sure. i still think it's fucking great that it's happening he delivers the hardest line though i think Tell out of the whole thing which is the one what that where he's he when he comes out and talks about it he's like well yeah. i'm i'm pretty adjusted you know for being gay yeah and then he's like oh. and uh never being happy isn't the same thing as being unhappy mm. is it and i oh yeah oh, it yeah that was a painful Ooh, line, right? That was. I was like, oh, Jesus, Montgomery. Okay. Wow, you are adjusted. You're doing terribly, but okay with yes, it. So right. His analyst helped right. him there. Yeah. He really yeah. did. And then we have yeah, Ralph. Ralph is the the, the big mouth kid who goes and tracks. Yeah, he's just like, he's like the obnoxious personality. Yeah. And then. He was he, obsessed with Freddie Prince. Freddie like, Prince. Obsessed. Yes. What? Yes. Why? Yes. And all of us are like, you mean the dad to the guy who played Fred in the Scooby Doo movie? Exactly. Like the whole time, I'm like, I'm just picturing Freddie Prince Jr. Even yep. though I know there's a senior, I'm, but I'm like, you're talking about Sarah Michelle Gellar's husband. Well, he's he's just so he's so obsessed that he like he there's a moment in the in his uh career there in the high school where he has to give a monologue and yeah, his monologue yeah. is about pain and suffering and like how it's like uh, how how um how to be vulnerable because he's yeah. such a hard ass yeah. and then he tells the story about freddie prince um having s- committed suicide and um he gets like very cryy and then the teacher like looks at him in this like beautiful sunlit room mm-hmm. with wooden chairs yes and he says right yes ralph but how did that affect you yeah <laughs> yeah i fucking loved it i fucking loved it i was like and we never got an answer actually we never got I was like, why? Why is this? To your point, anyways. So um, then Ralph goes on, and he becomes a um, you know he's obviously dating uh, Doris at this point, and while he's, he's a at fifteen-year-old stand-up comic, <laughs> right? Who is known by Richard Belzer? Like right. I yes, literally lunch. in my notes just wrote Belzer. Like, I got real excited. <laughs> I, I was, was like, like what? 
Munch what looks good here. And Munch looks so good. He's got a full head of hair and he's he looks young and he's so anyways, um there's a whole scene with him and uh the comedy world and he's obviously like just trying he was like so special and then yeah. he gets into this fight with Doris because his lifestyle as a comic, as we all know, because we know lots of male <laughs> comics unfortunately. Avoid them. <laughs> right. Run, they, they can, they're just nothing but trouble. Yes. He's in a, a blazer with no shirt on at the show. <laughs> Right. Well, that's looking hot. coked out and angry, right. like just more comics should every... do that. Yeah, and then he bombs. Let's bring that back. Yeah, yes. <laughs> he bombs, and um, that's when Montgomery comes in and cheers him up by telling him, "We're the fi- we're the pie in the face people." <laughs> right, but also let's you know they just kind of gleaned over his whole home life thing. Yes, where first he goes over some mounds of rubble to tell so much rubble that he got it. That, right? We all just climb yes. over mountains of bricks. Yes, it was very families. New York. Like yes. they knocked down right? a building and they just left it all there. It was 80s New York, right? which yeah. is a different time. It was like West yes. Side Story, but in the 80s. Yeah. And also my five-year-old sister? Is that sister? Niece? Not sure. Sister. Uh, right, they never explain sister. that. <laughs> no, was attacked by a junkie when yes. he was rehearsing somewhere else. Yes. And then he yelled at the priest about it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's yeah. the last we saw of that child. <laughs> <laughs> no idea how she is just hope she made it <laughs> yeah uh, they're, they're all speaking in spanish and then it you know obviously about the whole situation and what happened and his mom is there crying with her prayer breeds and he's like why did you take her to a church and not a hospital and then yes he graduates and sings the body electric listen it's, it's a fucking montage you this know this is the end of everyone's story they graduate and then he sings the body electric yeah, listen exactly sometimes art is about asking questions not providing answers not a single one, <laughs> not <laughs> one. let's talk about our boy leroy leroy Corbett, oh. do you want to take this one Okay, so the thing is, first of all, I love that Leroy upstaged his partner. Um, yes, the best. That, that, the best, the, that poor woman. But also, I've, I conflated the movie with the series for a second there because that's the only time we see Debbie Allen. Yes. Is mm-hmm. in the auditions. And then she's gone for, I'm like, there's Debbie Allen commenting on the gyrations of a teenager and saying <laughs> wicked. And I'm like, great. It was oh, wicked. She wasn't. I mean, wrong. it was. Yeah, no, she, she was not. But and then she's she's wasn't. inappropriate. <laughs> I mean, was it? But then she's gone forever, and you're like, oh, well, all right. So Leroy is this incredible dancer who is breaking the norms, but also shows us no matter how diverse this school is and looks like New York City circa 1980, he's the he's the one facing racism mm-hmm. from his English teacher, right? That's correct. Oh. Who is Steve Brady's mom from Sex in the City? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! Yes, yes. I was like. <laughs> Miss Sherwood. Yeah. She has a big part. And I'm like, what is Steve Brady's mom doing here? Yelling at Leroy, throwing copies of Othello at him. Oh, yeah. Read this. He's black. What? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Also calls his AAVE. You know, we speak English in this class. And uh, also referring to the uh, boombox stereo as the ghetto Ghetto blaster. blaster. Yeah. Which we all did at the time. But I was still like, So Leroy just has like this existence where apparently he rides around with some cat collars that he eventually dumps trash on. That was great. Because he's evolved, right? Uh, And he has his girlfriend, Coco, who's kind of a girlfriend, but he just cheats on her without any 
consequence well, of remorse there. Well, he's hot there. as hell. It's not his fault. He's in tiny, teeny, tiny shorts. Right. He has, like, no right? shirt on. He has these ripped-up abs. He can dance like nobody's business. Like nobody He's going to join Alvin Ailey. Nobody can hold that man or down. No. No, no not even I, not even Irene Cara. No, cannot. Not even uh, dyslexia. Right. No, not even, right? He cannot read. And he's going to try by yeah. reading the Maytag washing machine repair manual. Yeah. And some rubble. In rubble also. In rubble where he also takes comfort. I think that's but metaphorical. Then manages, it, I think so. Yeah. But then when the teacher's husband is in the, po- in the in the hospital, I just like that it's the hospital and he just finds the, <laughs> the one, one hospital in New York City. Found her. Yeah. Got it. And I'm here to yell at her about how hard she's been on me. And then they have a talk, and then he graduates and sings the Body Electric. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, dances to the Body Electric. He's not in the chorus. Part. Well, I'm, I'm glad you clarified this thing with him and Coco because I wasn't really sure what the vibe was. Because you know he ends up cheating on her with Hillary, and Hillary is a ballet dancer that he gets pregnant, and then there's this, yeah. this one random. She's scene. the rich. You're leaving out. Yeah, she's, she's rich. A rich. She's white blonde. Girl. Right. Also, you know. her stepmom is another cameo. Holland Taylor. Uh, Yes. Yes. Love yes. Holland Taylor. Yes, she was married Taylor, to like, Sarah Paulson, right? Yeah. Real life lesbians. Yeah. Oh, amazing. And yeah. has no lines. She's just there as no. a, a yeah. figure that we know of. Anyway. Yes. So, yes. Amazing. So, she, so uh, Hillary, the ballet dancer that he cheats on Coco with. Yeah. It's, she's like, just randomly you get the scene where she's just crying and talking to herself and she's like right. I could have been in this ballet company yeah. and I could be in this ballet company yeah. and this company and this is what I want for my life yeah. and, uh, and then I'm gonna th- dance all of these roles before I'm 21 I'm yes. so good yeah. <laughs> then we pan back and the nurse says when do you want to schedule your abortion yes. no she says cash or credit it's yes. oh, right. more yes. Alice than that yes. how we pay in today yeah loved it yes so good because that chick's kind of a twat so you know we love this moment where she's been taken down yes I do couple notches I do but I also was like and she fucks Leroy after he sees her dance (laughs) I love this fucking movie I'm such a in the boys locker room (laughs) in the boys locker room in the boys locker room and all I can think is here's the thing about dancers and they're beautiful and things that my body could never do even when I took dance you know that she smells terrible. Yeah. Um, she, don't she, care. Is, she is glistening with yeah. sweat and wearing full tights. And they even mentioned stinky tights oh, in, yeah. at the top of the movie. Yeah, crotch rot. Yep. And they're going in on it in the boys' locker room. Yeah, they don't yeah, care. Yeah. I love that. Um, love and it. then we come to our, probably our last couple of people. Uh, we have Le- Bruno and Coco. Love uh, Bruno. His dad's a fucking taxi driver. Yep. Bruno love. is, he is starting a new wave of music. He's into amps. He's into synthesizers. synthesizers. He's into like, you know, and his whole story is that he's going to fight with the aging music teacher who's into fucking Beethoven and shit. And he like cuts out the power. Oh, he's the composer of the song Fame, to which his father, Blass, on the top of his cab, shutting down an entire street in New York as the students swarm out of the high school to dance on top of cars to fame. Um, I mean, yes. You I love this movie? No, I'm just going to say, like, here's, here's the thing that I thought was so funny about that scene, is that we never get any idea that Bruno wrote the song until, they, until he's yeah. like that, right? So, like, yeah. all of a sudden, his dad just pulls up to the high school yeah. and plays the music, and everyone's right. like, oh my god, that's my song! Right. And then Irene Cara comes running down, and she's like, I sing! I, or I'm yeah. singing! Um, and I thought, like, so far as the storytelling of that was, like, very difficult for me to wrap my... I was just like, he's a... Fr- he's like, get into the 
magic. No, you're, I did not. You're like They're trying to put cars. logic <laughs> into the fact. The whole point is that these are theater kids, and at any moment, it. we I... could burst into song and dance. And his dad's in the middle of a fist fight with some guy yes. trying to ruin his equipment, and yes. it still pans out to a giant Bacchanalian celebration. It's yes. wonderful. Like, yep. Yes. Dad's beating some guy up, but it's fine. Art. Art. Right. And they, so the two of them, Bruno and Coco have been like, like together ever since like the beginning of it. Bruno has a big crush on her. Yeah. She sings a song called Out Here on My Own, which I have been blaring every single moment of every single day since, which is only two days ago when I watched this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Every single moment. Every single moment for the last 48 hours. I've been listening to this song. It's, it's bad. God, I just remember actually, this is, a, a moment for for sad little Elizabeth. Okay. Well, I remember well. when I was like really little, like sitting in my room with the lights out and just playing that song over and over again because I was out there on my own, Adrian. Aww. Oh my God. I would have been like, um, our daughter has a cry for help playing over and over again in her room. Should we? Yes. But no one was there to right. hear it. <laughs> That's right. Gen Xer? No, your parents weren't. Mm-hmm. Oh, they're yes. having a party. Because Please don't interrupt. Bet, you were actually a thoughtful parent. Yeah. <laughs> no one else noticed. <laughs> yes. No, so they did not. We get to the scene that is the one that I think everyone always remembers next yes. to the same dancing yes. scene, which is mm-hmm. Irene Cara or Coco is sitting in a diner. She meets some yeah. dude who claims that he is a film director from, director from the south of France. Yeah. And uh, right. he's seen her but work. But also, he re- he's seen her work he's seen in her a work. chorus line. I don't even know. And he's like, he says something about a chorus line, but I yeah. think he means an actual chorus line. Because yeah. he's like, in that sultry red dress number, I'm like, that isn't a thing no. in a chorus line. What are you talking about? No. He's like, and you're the best one in there. I'm like, what? Did she play Cassie? What are you talking about? She's not. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's the one who most clearly wants to be a star. Yes. Like right. the and whole time she's yes. like trying to figure out how she's going to be a star. So she then, um, he, he he then offers her a screen test uh-huh. and gives her an address. She shows uh-huh. up in the shady ass apartment in the middle of New York City, mm-hmm. goes in. He's just like, he's like, bonjour, bonjour. <laughs> right. He's just the a worst total Yeah. Absolutely. He's just being such a dork yeah and she's like where's the crew <laughs> and he sets up this, the camera with the lights and there's like a drop like a backdrop and mm-hmm. she's in this cute little blue printed dress not for long right <laughs> no she's then she's only in half of it and it didn't even it was like ma- a matter of 30 seconds when he's like take off your top and so she's like i can't and he's like take off your top <laughs> You can do it. It's great. He's like, you. the camera loves you, baby. It's really sad. Yes. And she takes it's so off. so sad. I hate it so much. Yeah. I know. She takes off her top. And just for the audience, uh, it's even creepier because this whole scene is being played out while you watch a black and white television. That you're watching like, him film it. Yes. You're, yeah. So it's like... Yeah even more uncomfortable because now you're yeah. seeing what the product is yeah. and she takes off her top and she's crying and this is the part I remember the scene so much and it has always stayed with me I think about it all the time actually <laughs> it's just so weird like you know they're like a random no you hate this movie <laughs> you just have like these random thoughts and you're like oh there's Irene Kira's tits um but While I, she's crying. Right. And so she's crying. She's taking off her top and I did not catch this until this watch which was um, where he goes 
just suck your thumb. Yeah, that's put your, so creepy. Put your thumb in your mouth and just suck it like your little baby. It's so creepy. And then it's so bad. The next thing you know, she's singing the body electric. <laughs> we don't know was it was it Leroy? Was it Bruno? Who did you wind up with? Are you okay? Did no. And he's like, first he also tells her while she's sobbing to arch her back a little bit. He does as oh, she's nice. clearly folding into herself yeah. and Oof. and sobbing. Yep. Yeah. And then suck your thumb like a schoolgirl. Now That's I don't tough. know if it was 1980. But sometime around there, and this is resurfaced, and I really wish it would go back to the depths of hell from whence it came, was that um, Love's Baby Soft ads. Oh, I remember that. There's the print ads, and those are horrifically creepy by themselves. Yeah. But there is a television commercial that I think was this guy. because it's, it's Oh, it's it wasn't really, but uh, it may as well. It is, the camera is zooming in with all this Vaseline lens on this made-up woman who's looking at the camera like a little girl and sucking a lollipop. The, the voiceover is like close and creepy. And he's like, it's like, I swear to God, this is a line from the commercial. It's like a baby grew up to be very sexy. No. Yes. <laughs> no. So no wonder this guy was like, I can get away with this. I can oh absolutely. Oh my God. It well, is vomit inducing and it was real. While we're while we're on the subject of like inappropriate things, I'm, I'm gonna jump ahead a little bit and just say like, right. like why don't we talk about some of the inappropriate and weird things that happened in yeah, this let, movie? I think we've recapped enough. Yeah, let's move well, on. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So like yeah, yeah. definitely like we, we this is uh, Adrian and I've been waiting for the moment that we got like a peeping boy into mm-hmm. a locker moment. This is our first one. I'm mm-hmm. so proud of us because our selection has been overall pretty solid. It's shocking movie. We've watched John Hughes. Where what's <laughs> happening? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. John John Hughes is not. Uh, we don't do. So much the okay but here's the thing with the random people scene that i want to point out because we just talked about irene caro yeah the one teenage actor whose breasts we see yeah as as the dudes are like oh my god she's not a character no. so she is basically the irene cara of us yes we're the we're the sleazy guys yeah. and her watching this are amazing i mean she's fully she has fully <laughs> been chosen just to turn around and show her tits it to the camera to your point because yep. i was like this girl is so skinny and look at these huge boobs <laughs> right how is she not falling over but like we're the we're the creepy guy yes because we don't see her ever again never i'm like oh man oh that was a porky's moment that we all just had 100 percent. i had no i didn't think about it that way but now that you said that i feel very dirty yeah. <laughs> right I feel very dirty yeah. inside i also thought like um for the film being so diverse, but like definitely racist in some ways, right? Oh yeah. Because like there was like the whole scene at the first audition where um, the white chick like looks at the the brown girl and she pulls at her her nose ring, and she's mm-hmm. like, "Does that hurt or is it ethnic?" That was the best ignorant question I've ever heard in my life. I, I thought that was amazing. I was like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> and I, to me, I was like, no, it hurts because it is ethnic. And you're making it weird. <laughs> That's, that, I, I kind of hope that they just phrase it like that so we could all hear how stupid that question was. Right. I'm, I'm hopeful they were aware of that. But I oh think my God. so. I mean, I would say, like, honestly, for 1980, this movie could have been 7,000 times more racist and more awful than it was to me. It, I, I hate saying this as the white person in the room, so feel free to be like, you are incorrect. I mean, yes, there are definitely racist moments, the ghetto blaster and, you know, for sure. But like overall, I feel that the creators were earnestly trying to tell the story 
of a diverse group of people. Yeah. Do you think she's looking at me very skeptically? <laughs> well, no, I'm just, I'm like, hey, I don't think so. You, do you not think so, Corbett? No, no, no. I, I, I do. I do. There were some moments that I was like, "That's that's super cringe." Yeah. Um, you know, and it had its its sizest moments too, right? Yeah. Like, what was the thing at the beginning? Like, you can't help your glands. I'm yes. sorry, I'm just so nervous. <laughs> yeah. Um, or the the you know, it's the bigger kid who's trying to see into the peephole who breaks the whole thing, right? Right. Like, right. yeah. You know, we have fatty fall down joke. I'm like, yeah. are we really? We're doing that? Okay. I think All ballet right. culture is still the same, though. I don't think you're allowed you're to not have wrong. glands in ballet culture. <laughs> you're not. You're absolutely I, not. I also, uh-huh. I also though wonder if some of the inappropriate conversations were also to be some kind of like relatable inner city moment. Yeah, like the time mm-hmm. when she's throwing the book of Othello. She's like throws a book at uh, at Leroy, and she's like, "Read this book." You know, he's black, mm-hmm. which I think is absolutely not acceptable today. Mm-hmm. I don't think you can throw books at kids, no. and you no. can't be like that. Well, she didn't throw black. it at him to hit him. No. She tossed, tossed it, it at him. him. But I would also, I'm. Steve Brady's what, mom. What are your, your both, but for, <laughs> for both of you, what do you think about when you're thinking about that? Like, is that a way to really, like, that's not a way to be a teachable moment, no, right? No. Well, she's terrible at it. She's shaming him in front of everyone. She's but that's absolutely what it the was. Yes, it was. I mean, that's what I want to say about it. My parents were teachers, so I grew up at home with people just like this. I went to schools that were just like this, and that's how it was. If you couldn't read well, people were throwing books at you and being dicks. Nobody was like, let me take the time to figure out why you are having struggles and, like, let me help you. That wasn't the fucking vibe. Like, so to me, like, their interaction didn't feel, like, false. (laughs) No. I was like, this is I the was 80s like, it's not and 90s. Showing, she wasn't presented as a hero here, right? Like, right. it looked like a dick move when she did it. Yeah. Because we're all sympathizing for Leroy. We yeah. all like Leroy. And I'm yeah. like, well, I mean, yeah, I guess they would do that. That's That looks right. Like, she also what? takes his knife at the very beginning. Yes. We left this part out, which is pretty hilarious. He rolls in oh, with his friend great. to be in this um, audition. audition, but he's just supposed to be her dancing partner, and she's supposed to shine. And when they're checking in, the chick is like, Steve Brady's mom, she's like, you have to give me your knife. You have to check the knife. <laughs> and he's like, what, you going to hold it? She's like, give me the knife. So he they have like this whole relationship throughout, but it, you're right. It is about like reflecting two different cultures, right. smashing together. He also then showed his whole coat full right. of knives. His co- he like, had more knives after he so checked many the knives. one that was in his cr- like it was in his waistband. <laughs> yeah, he opens he opens it up like um, the Sesame Street letter guys. Yes, yeah. You want to buy an A? Yeah, somebody buying watches <laughs> right. in just, coats, yeah. and it's just knives. Right. Knives. How are you dancing with? It? No wonder you had to get naked. You had very very heavily heavy artillery on you you can't, yeah. can't possibly the other th- note moment that i thought was interesting was that when the um lisa we didn't talk much about lisa but lisa basically yeah is a gal who gets um into the dance program and then she's almost immediately kicked out because she doesn't sweat hard enough she's not a good enough dancer <laughs> she doesn't put enough effort in yes and she she'll likes never to chat and she'll never be the best mm-hmm. and she gets thrown out and um it's interesting because like I think one of the things, and Corbett, you could probably talk about this a little bit so far as like, who gets to decide who's the best and what's the best, right? Like, I think that's an interesting thing about the whole form of the school is, you know, I think today we celebrate a lot about like having your individual voice and your difference between, you know, not having the same ballet body. But, Mm -hmm. you know, this time it's like everyone has to be exactly in order, exactly the same way. And was that your experience at the school 
also? And tell us a little bit about how you got into it. Uh, no, it was not exactly that. The the brash, harsh truths, though, some of those were real um, that they would sit there and tell you about. Um, so I went to the Chicago Academy for the Arts uh, um, for my junior and senior year. So I transferred from Proviso West High School to the Chicago Academy for the Arts, which if you're not from anywhere near the Chicago land area, those two could not be more different. Like it, the culture shock was like, hey, what? and what, I, what hit me as I was watching this movie um, was that I only, I started there 10 years after fame was made. I am so very old. Um, I speak to you now from a pile of dust on which I, <laughs> my, my bones are. I was like, holy crap. And what I, I kept, this is such an uh, obvious thing to say, but I'm watching this very analog life. Okay. Like the, how old the building is, how large and expansive in these cramped little rooms, right? Like the building's huge, but the rooms are just shoved in there. And I loved this because we were in an, it still is in an old Catholic boys school. So it's at Chicago and Carpenter and it's, it's next to a church. The church owns that building. And actually they came to that building later in 1980, they had opened up somewhere in Adams. And the year I got there is the year they got that building, which they got from a, a grant from Oprah. Oh. Um, Yes, my first field trip, well, my first field trip was an NEA rally. After that, we went to surprise Oprah at her studio to sing her an original song to say thank you. <laughs> you know I'm mm-hmm. loving this. I know, you <laughs> love Oprah. It was, I got I got to walk arm in arm out with Oprah, and I got to talk to her for a minute, and it was pretty. And the great, the thing that I remember most about that experience is they instilled in us, no one belts out any any riffing or solos okay we're all there together as one unit no one does of course people did of yeah. course they did <laughs> oh, oh and, Oprah. right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like Oprah. Mm-hmm. i do still actually remember a little bit of the song but it was <laughs> but like so when i'm watching this hot lunch thing two two things come up one no one is singing over irene Cara. No one is trying to take stage first. It's just mostly the dancers and musicians. I'm like, never. That would never happen. A building full of artists. No fucking way. Also, we didn't. This was a public school, and there is now Shy Arts, which is a public school that I believe is free. The academy was not. Um, I went on scholarship, and actually, fun fact, did not get my diploma uh, because I still owed money, and I got it over a decade later um, from the woman who ran the office who was there from day one when I came back to to teach and direct she's like I have something for you and hands me my diploma I'm like what are you talking about like just take it um, so like and I had to talk to the the financial director who's telling me that she has to tell the parents whose kids won't be graduating because they didn't they're behind on payments I'm like yeah that is a hard talk all right well I gotta um, <laughs> But like, we didn't have a lunch, we had a lunch room. We didn't have hot lunch. We didn't have any lunch. It was an empty room. I think they made it into a computer lab now, but it was an empty room with a couple of couches and a microwave. And um, there was a vending machine, the kind that like you slid open and you could like grab a burger to microwave. <laughs> like we didn't have, we could go off campus because we had no food facilities at all. So there would be no hot lunch song. You had and everyone to live off your me. dreams. <laughs> You had to live off your dreams and yeah, microwave dinners. Exactly. That's what. That's it. That's what artists um, do. And there was a lot of hand jobs that went on in oh. that room. Um, <laughs> yeah, there was so much sex in the practice rooms. I can't. It, I, mean, I cannot. Emph- I can't emphasize that enough. Like that's. So I mean, 
I was like, you guys, like you could, I, I like people were popping in and out naked and as I went into like practice something like, oh, hey, okay, sorry, my bad. I'm, y'all just, okay. Um, so my mom set up the audition. What's funny is I actually do have a, a I, I wrote a pilot um, <laughs> with my writing partner, Sarah Savini, um, called Class of 92 about my experience at that school because even though in 1980, 1990, a decade apart, but the wild nature of what you're letting kids get away with still very much existed when I went there. Kids were smoking with teachers. Um, again, sex in the practice rooms. I remember um, I was giving, uh, I was on student council <laughs> and we're trying to tell them, uh, you know, throw away your trash or whatever. And while we're talking, there is a kid visibly getting a hand job from his girlfriend under a coat in the back of the thing. And we're like, do you mind? Okay. That same kid was tripping in class. He was an art major. So that's the one difference is we had art at the time. We had visual art as well. Now they have a gajillion majors. I'm really know. hoping but, um, this ends with, and that was Brad Pitt. <laughs> that, that would, okay, hold on. I don't have that, but I do have, yeah. So, um, so this, this kid, and I knew this because they, they, punished him quote unquote by putting him in the hallway but the hallway was the art gallery so i come out and i just see him just swaying in a chair just i'm like josh how you doing good all right and i just keep going up to the top floor where the theater was which we built also there was no theater so they put, used child labor for us to drag the lockers out i mean like knock Love down walls we don't we don't call that child labor we call that you know putting the work in i was gonna Corbett. say that's right yeah. you were putting the work yes, in for your dreams <laughs> yeah. So fuck. It was. We sometimes you have to take your top off. Right? Sometimes you have to move and the so, fucking lockers. Sometimes you, sometimes you suck your thumb. Sometimes you knock down a wall. It right. depends on the day. <laughs> oh, I mean, we did play a lot of like corporate industrial things to make money for the school too. Like they pimped us out left and right. And we also had, they would set us up with auditions and stuff. So my mom set me up with an audition for this. Um, out of fucking nowhere she just calls me and she's like i found this school we have zero dollars and zero cents like the landlord is literally coming up to our apartment building because he lives downstairs like <laughs> where's the rent with the staying with the first floor neighbors when our lights electricity phone is all shut off right but somehow i'm going to this school uh turns out my mom's boyfriend at the time paid a good amount of that and i had no idea but i auditioned with uh voice clarinet and acting and i was accepted into both departments and they're like you have to choose so basically choose your path for the rest of your life right music versus drama now. yeah okay got it so all this crossover that they were doing in fame we did not do that we had one week of crossover where you could go and take classes somewhere else but your major was your major uh and you auditioned for a studio when you were in acting as well. And one kid absolutely did do a Woody Allen monologue and looked like the most neurotic 45 year old. <laughs> and he was a freshman in high school and I'm still very good friends with him. He was amazing. Um, and we also did theater outside. There were some people that did Marat Saad in the parking lot, like they were doing like Doris and- um, I love that. Right? Like when they were outside, yeah. I was like, the Chainlink Fence, we totally did that. Absolutely. We studied offending the audience. Uh, we, I mean, it was, abs like you, you could just leave for an audition you like i i went to the bathroom and some girls were getting ready i'm like what you doing cbs what for magic door what do they need 16 bars can i come sure <laughs> and you just left you were just excused to go to these auditions this. so my right um, yeah my kid my kid uh my youngest one it ended up at shy arts the public school that it's ended up being idea. 
yeah developed um and when they went there i remember walking through the halls and i i remember that it, it seemed very cool because all the kids were like actually very much like fame like ballerinas were like hanging out somebody was playing a cello you know it was just kind of like wild and chaotic in that way but once the the the, the bell rang they were just you know everyone's back in class no one's like trying to break out a hot lunch situation <laughs> <laughs> a hot lunch situation i.e spontaneous musical number we did practice some songs that i wrote on the l we also practiced some stage combat that ann cusack came and taught us on the l don't do that um we were not thinking of the optics at the time that all of us <laughs> white girls and our one black male friend who would like that we pretended that we didn't know and then came to attack me on the train we could have gotten him killed mm. a woman did stand up and she's like stop it stop it we're like oh god i'm so sorry we're like hugging each other and she's like i swear to god i, I have a daughter and i would hope that someone would do the same for her and she points at my friend nick and she's like i was about to belt you and we're like oh oh no we did a production of cabaret that was everyone was pretty much naked uh but they had to put suits <laughs> on underneath when the catholic boys school came to see it because the musical theater director quote did not want boys jerking off in his bathroom uh end quote and when trish was it trish who got kicked out of the dance department was that her lisa name? lisa sorry um you know and the and the dance teacher's like you'll get over it i was like jesus christ and to say to actors as the acting teacher did you really have to like yourself closest i've got is uh we would have guest artists come in i got to meet ben vereen i got to meet and i had no idea who he was at the time oh my that god was i love ben vereen I love him so much. And I didn't even know who I was talking to. I just knew I was in the presence of greatness and then found out later. I was like, oh, my God. So we have this guest and he says to us, and he's like, listen, I'm successful. I'm no, I'm very <laughs> successful. Hold on. I'm more successful than any of you in this room will probably ever be. And then it's like trailed off and like, and 90% of my work is rejection is what he was trying to say. So that was Brian Dennehy. And I never liked him ever, ever again. After <laughs> I love Brian Dennehy. No, he was crushing dreams, crushing them in a room full of 16 year olds and 15 year olds. <laughs> I think it's, it's interesting that you bring up disappointment. Cause I think that's one of the big things that I feel like the story kind of ends on. Like, you know, the montage starts with like everyone being happy and like auditioning and like what a great moment. And then at the end of the, the four years it's like basically like everyone's dreams were crushed <laughs> they were like like ralph bombs doris ends up breaking up with her boyfriend irene Kara has to suck her thumb like everything is just right. all about like sadness to toward the end of it um and we talk about this a lot it's like choosing a creative life is very difficult and i think like choosing a creative life where you have educators who actually are like you should stick to these dreams and it's going to be worth it the end of it because i feel like i know your experience adrian has been that that's not the case right like you had a whole mfa issue about like <laughs> where, where like no one's encouraging you uh -huh. i just don't really no. understand where where are the mentors then and like why do we encourage people to keep doing this <laughs> i don't know that we do yeah <laughs> i mean that's not that's my experience i don't know that we do encourage people to do this other than it provides other people doing it jobs while they're also not making it <laughs> I right, mean, like right. not to be a dick. I, you know, I have a lot to say, and I, I won't say it all today. 
<laughs> that would be hard if you did. But I'd be Cor- sad for you. Corbett might not know. I, I do have a fraught experience with my MFA program, which was in writing. And I have a lot to say about like the abusive nature of that program. And then I also have a fraught relationship with my own creative work and my own creative dreams, you know, and like... I'm 43. I've spent a long time. I've got a novel on submission right now. Who knows if anything will happen with it? And, you know, the thinking I feel about these things now is like, if somebody was like, hey, I want to be a writer, like, what do you think? I'd be like, Ooh, I don't know. Because there's, a, you know, I spend a lot of time thinking like, I would have made a great lawyer. And imagine all this money I would have and general feeling of safety and success. And instead, I have a general feeling of failure and like constantly striving towards something that it's like unclear if I'll ever get it. And like, I don't know. It's hard because if you're a creative person, you just fucking are. Right. Right. Like you just fucking are. And there's in as much as we're like, there's room for everyone. That's not necessarily accurate. There is room for everyone. There's not room for everyone to be paid. (laughs) Exactly. That's it right there. Yes. And I will say that my teachers were pretty real. Like the speeches that each of these teachers in the movie gave at the beginning, all the shit you're going to have to do. Right. When they got into like hairstyling and makeup for dancers or acting for dancers, you know, and they're not wrong. Right. And my teachers were working actors at that time. Right. Like they were if they were gone and we had a sub, it's because they were doing something at Chicago Shakes or they were doing something at the Goodman or they were, you know, or next theater or whatever. Like they started theater companies. They which is what that school taught me is what I keep doing, which is you have to build the shit if you want the shit. And not everyone has not only that capability, but those resources, right? And I built with zero resources, right? We're dragging out lockers, the whole thing. Like, this is a hallway of a boys' school. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? And then I I get to college. I create an improv company. I create a a theater program in London. When I studied abroad, I found out they didn't fucking have one. And I'm like, well, no, that my financial aid goes here. So this is what we're going to do. I ran a theater company for 12 years when I graduated. The problem with this is, and then I was a member of another one, and now I'm still making my own content. And I, we had a fundraiser to raise enough money to make Corey and Sarah famous as a web series, as a SAG web series, right? And we did it in 2019. The thing is, you do all that, and then what? Right. Let's say you make all your own stuff. No one teaches you what to do with it once you do that. Unless you're auditioning for, say, a company, and then they're, and then you're in and you're paid forever. No, almost no one gets that. Yeah. So what do you do once you write the novel? How do you submit? How do you find? And no one's teaching that part. There was like one day seminars of the business of acting or the business of on camera. And it's nonsense because I'm a creator who is literally constantly making my own shit. And by the time someone wants to go, you know what? I'd like to pay you for the thing you're already doing, which is all the dream was, right? Like, yes, thank you. I'm so tired. Yeah. I don't know if after 48 years I can keep doing this. Yeah. But I'm going to because you can't help that. Right. You're going to keep writing because you can't help doing that. Yeah. And, and you know, if you're if your submission to take here, Ooh. you're going to find somewhere else that it does. Yeah. You know? I, mean, I think we talk about this all the time, actually, is um, the, the, the challenge with, like, the DIY culture. Yeah, I, like yes. that you have to like as a creator, you have to create, yeah. right? Like we can't. There's no, there's no us sitting down and like yeah. not doing it. And I also think 
let, let's talk about some real things. It's like not everyone's going to be, you know, a successful writer and not everyone's going to be a successful actress in terms of like the way that we as America measure that however we do. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause there's just like, right. there's only so much opportunity. There's only so much time. And, you know, I don't necessarily think that if you don't make like a major movie production, it makes you any kind of failure. Actually, I think, no. you know, but it is, it is limited to how many people could do that. If you were just acting for the one time that you're going to make a movie, you would never act right. Like you have to figure out places you can practice the craft. Um, and I think where we end up right. kind of frustrated is that people are always like, everyone's voices are so important. And then you go out and you make a no. thing and then no, one's, no one gives a shit about your voice. Well, nobody sees it because of algorithms or before, because of whatever. I mean, we had to fundraise right. from our friends to like make this yep. show. And it was that fundraiser to me is one of our biggest successes as like in the last like whatever years of creative life like I'm like oh wow people believe in us you know it's not just the money but the fact that people would show up for us and like it rejuvenates you right but Elizabeth and I talk about this all the time like I love like listen I haven't seen you on TikTok because I don't TikTok I'd love to see you but the thing I always think about it's on Instagram yeah (laughs) oh good good because that's where I watch my TikToks but like I always think like the amount of time and effort that people are putting into these videos is enormous it's enormous you know and like yep. you know and elizabeth will be like well oh, you get this money followers you get paid and whatever i'm like yeah but the thing that we're not talking about i think overall for creative people is that, like if there's a triangle right you know everybody's at the bottom but once you get up to this like teeny tiny part at the top of the triangle really it's just this small amount of people who are getting paid to like do like a livable amount of money to do all the things they want to do, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. and that's all I, sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to ask you about your, your, cause this, what Adrian's saying is interesting to me. And I'm curious, like in terms of like how much time and effort you put into your web series versus how much you physically got paid for it, or even like, did you, right? Like, tell, give us the give, log give line. Us kind of like, yeah, the, tell us the log line and the name so people can watch it and then answer Elizabeth's question. Yeah. And then just, <laughs> just kind of give us an idea of like, yeah. what that, how many hours went into that versus, yeah. you know. So many. I should have had the log line ready to go. Um, <clears throat> but Corey and Sarah Famous is, um, so Sarah Savini and I became writing partners. Uh, Early 2000s. Let's go with that Um, instead of me trying to put a year on it. And we wrote five plays together. Um, All of them were produced. And we really have this natural uh, banter with each other. And we, um, right, it's just, it's two middle-aged bi-Jewish women just having a great uh, bing, bang, boom. (laughs) We don't get that. (laughs) (laughs) No, you guys don't understand that at all. Mm -mm. No, no, no. no. Mm -mm. And asking money for your friends. No, no similarity whatsoever. Yep. Uh, and we had written this pilot um, about because Sarah is the person who went to LA and had a pilot and the pilot didn't get picked up. She's the guy in the diner, but she's not waiting tables. She's actually still working a fuck ton and coaching and doing all this stuff. And I always joke that she was, you know, more famous. She had, she had the, the professional down more than me. Mm-hmm. And I, I, in real life, quit my day job to finally pursue this. And it was a huge thing. Uh, and so we just did this little pilot about that. 
and it was fun. And Kyle Hammond was our director and uh, camera guy. And he like, we gorilla shot downtown in Chicago and it was great. But we watched the pilot and we're like, that's not, it's not quite what we want to tell. That doesn't seem right. That doesn't highlight our friendship enough. And that is what Corey and Sarah Famous then went to do. We went to celebrate the friendship, the joy of that, right? Yeah. Everything comes from, everything is more joyful when you're sharing it and bouncing ideas with your friend. And also to celebrate the Chicago community of artists that all come together and do this. And we had a series called Get in the Car that was really just me filming us talking in the car and then I go and edit it. And, you know, I just put the camera on her and we just talk about random shit. And she was like, that's that's the series. The things that happened to us that we talked about in the car, that's the series. And she's right. So we wound up, uh, you know, there was a day where she's talking to me and the wire of her bra came out. So, you know, the pilot episode is us going to a store called literally Bras Galore. Oh, and if I you know don't Bras know, I love Bras Galore. Yes. I, I also Avenue. watched that episode. <laughs> Yes, it's yes, the pilot exactly. episode called The Dominant Boob um, and our talking boobs uh, at one point, because we had this amazing illustrator, Ginger Seahafer, who started drawing Sarah and I from Get in the Car, and we brought her on for uh, animations for that. Um, so she, uh, so we actually have talking boobs. One of them is Samantha Irby, uh, and the other is um, the lovely and recently departed Annie Wershing. Um, so she I was like, she'll be the dominant boob forever in our hearts because she and I went mm -hmm. to school together. Um, and we also have a talking chest of Bezad Dabu. And um, so like we just started to pull all of the people that we know and love, right? And we would gather in, well, Chicago bars and start to film these stories about Chicago life as artists, not just the hustle culture, but how we gather and support each other. You know, how we make light of not everyone's going to be doing this. So I joked after the shoot was over that I gave birth and this was the hardest thing I had ever done. Mm -hmm. You know, we had, we were funded. Uh, we had four different directors, um, six episodes. Is that right? Yep. Four different directors, six episodes, um, huge cast, you know, and everybody got paid and not a lot. It was new media contracts and so not everyone's getting paid. And then the thing that, like, what we didn't count on, right? So we we did this whole thing in a matter of two weeks. We shot it in two weeks, including one overnight shoot because we were at um, Harvest Time <laughs> in a grocery store, actually singing Fame, uh, having mm -hmm. Fame. Yep. And yeah, and it was before Irene Cara died. We have a line. We're like, where is Irene Cara now? I don't know, but she's not here. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we're, you know, we finish all of that. We feel great. We didn't count on how much post was going, how much time post-production was going right. to take, how much money it was going to take. And then a pandemic hit. Right. And the thing wound up being released uh, yeah. last year. Mm -hmm. um, and again, so yeah, that money, we raised about $25,000 mm -hmm. to shoot a SAG mini like web series so that everyone got paid, including crew. Yeah. All, we have contracts written up and we're doing this. We have no fucking idea what we're doing but we're doing it right and we're exhausted afterward we've made barely any money and we submitted it to some festivals and we won some awards and honestly now 2023 we're sitting here like well, well now what do we do yeah <laughs> we got this thing it's really good what yeah. do we let me ask you a question did you have um like an end goal or like a hope that you were hoping it was going to do for you and like are you struggling now with 
that goal or that hope? I think we always said that if nothing else it was going to be a calling card for what we could do, uh-huh. you know, from Kyle as, uh, you know, a camera and director and, uh, and like boots on the ground. And then for Sarah and I as both actors and writers. Um, and I think it still is that, right? Mm-hmm. Like, do you have any, yes. Do you have any examples of yes? Yeah. Um, so it's great to have those. As far as was anyone going to, I don't know, buy it mm-hmm. and maybe help us make it? That would have been nice. But we right. haven't gotten into those rooms because we haven't pitched in that way. Because you have this product that you literally labored. If you're like, I burst this thing. What do I do with this thing? Because yeah. that is the big mystery, right? Like I could enter it into festivals forever if I had unlimited festival funds. Right. And then what? I'm just on festivals forever? Like, no one talks about what's next after, like, great, we won all these awards. Yeah, I think that's that's the thing I had talked about even with this movie of fame. It's like the idea of, like, what is the measure of success to something, right? Like, honestly, what you did is impressive. Of course. We couldn't ask for even $2,500. I can't imagine asking for so much money. You know, so that's, like, that's, like, so brave and, like, forward and I think that's amazing so being able to accomplish that and then getting this crew together and writing the whole thing and then putting it all together and then like filming it and you know all that to me feels like a very big success and I feel like as artists it's it never feels like enough though right like now that you have it you've entered it some you've gotten some awards that's not going to be enough like it's it's like let's go to the next level let's go to the next level I don't know what makes something like successful I noticed Adrian, that you put up a meme in your story for Instagram where Jim Carrey is basically like, I wish everyone could get as <laughs> successful as I am so that they realize that it's really not everything. And I, yep. I how did, well, I mean, Adrian, that's a big one for you. I, I yeah. felt that Jim Carrey was uh, personally attacking all the Enneagram threes of the world <laughs> with that sentiment. <laughs> it hurt my feelings. It upset me. <laughs> Elizabeth and I fight about are now officially fighting. Yeah, Elizabeth (laughs) and I fight about this exact thing all the time. um, Because we fight about it, we just have different levels of it. And the thing is, is that I don't think that she is wrong. Oh, so a dynamic of our relationship that um, I don't know if we've actually ever really discussed here is that, like, I'm very goal oriented, success oriented, um, and like focused on like x y and z the things that i want right mm-hmm. and elizabeth how would you describe yourself in relation to that i would say that i'm just always surprised i accomplish anything right <laughs> like, and i get that too right mm-hmm. like anytime mm-hmm. anytime i do something and i finish the project and i get to the to the point where i'm like really proud of it i'm like wow elizabeth that was great <laughs> right and and she also sometimes ah, is like awesome. i don't even want to do x y or z i'm afraid of rejection to the uh-huh. point where that it, it is like as somebody who now realizes that i want to be a creative person living a creative life that i am mm-hmm. too afraid to like put myself out there in a way where people can tell me that i can't do that right and so in our relationship, I find this dynamic to be very helpful in a lot of ways because, like, I push her forward. I try to make you more goal oriented or be like, Elizabeth, you can do X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And then she's like, Adrian, shut the fuck up. You've already done X, <laughs> Y, and Z. Like, you need to, like, 
embrace it. But this like never enough thing I sort of struggle with because I'm like, I don't know that that's how I feel or that that's true. I mean, like if my lifelong dream is to publish a book, right? And I've gotten this far, it's taken me this fucking long and it doesn't happen. Like I I do feel that if I publish that book, yeah, I'd probably want to write another. But like, I also feel like that might be enough. You know what I mean? Like, like I, I don't feel that I need to be Stephen King. You know, or Taylor Jenkins Reid. Like, I don't feel that I need to be Elizabeth Gilbert with a huge fucking platform and like all of these things. So I do feel that there is a spot where it feels like I've done the fucking thing, you know? What happens if you if you get the book published? Yeah. And people hate it? Corbett. Let's say, or, or, or. Not a lot of people read it. Right. And that's totally... Are you going to be okay with that? I'm not going to love it. No, I'm not going to love it. But I I mean, I'll read it. Thank you. Thank you. I do think that, like, we face this all the time. Not to be, like, joking, but, like, you know, our podcast, you know, sometimes we get, like, 600 listeners. I'm like, who are these fucking people? I love you. It's so exciting, you know? But, like, I am definitely a person who's like, well, I'm writing the Substack, and I seem to have a dedicated fan base of about 189 people, you know? But where are the fucking 10,000 people that should be following me? So, yes, I have to, like, reframe all the time for myself but I think it's just I struggle with like I want to be paid at this point like I spent a lot of time writing this fucking book and I want to be paid for the work that I did you know or like even with our podcast like we've self-funded it for two years now we're asking our friends to fund it (laughs) (laughs) you know listen we used to say the Chicago Storefront Theater was passing the same $20 back and forth. Exactly. Right? So I mean, it's, we get it, right? Yeah. The people who cannot afford to are the ones who are going to support you. Yeah. It's just, but you know, I, when I left my day job, right? So I worked in law firms for like 18 years. I was an intellectual property specialist. I even managed to get myself a title. And I was <laughs> in that time running theater company, uh, auditioning, you know, getting started like with TV roles and all that. Like I was doing all of that at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I was sobbing every morning before work and just got to the Mm -hmm. point that it was just too much. And my husband was like, okay, it's your turn. You got to go. And I was like, no, I can't. We don't have any backup. And he's like, no, we don't, but we're going to figure this out. It's your turn. And what he asked of me, he's like, all I ask is that you enjoy the journey of this because there is always going to be another fucking peak of another fucking mountain Mm -hmm. that you have not gotten to yet. And you will want to get there. And if you don't enjoy what you have in that moment, you've lost the entire point. Yeah. Right. So like in the middle of the two of you is where the truth is. Yes. And I really like your husband a lot in this (laughs) story. I mean, this is great. But but the thing that I really relate to about how you started this is like there's a finite amount of energy. And that's really what the the point is, right? Like you can work full time, you can raise your children, you can try to be an artist, like you can try to be a friend, you can make the dinner and do the laundry, but there's there is a finite amount of energy, right? And so if you're trying to do all of those things all the time, which is how I've spent the last, you know, 14 years trying to do all those things at once at some point if something doesn't hit something doesn't work out like it it gets exhausting and you're just like well here I am like now I'm facing down my my kids gonna need college tuition in four years right so it's like 
I got to do something else or like the energy, like you just know you only have so much to give. And I think the older you get, the more hits you take, the more you're like, well, (laughs) it's harder for me to be like, you know what? Everyone should try to be a writer. You should 100% express yourself. You should fucking get a sub stack right now. You should get a TikTok. You should get a following. You should get a platform. You should do all the fucking things. It's going to be so great. And it's going to work out. (laughs) It's totally going to work out for you. Yeah. I have, um, I'm going to have to, you gals, I really feel like we're getting to the meat of this conversation and I'm going to have to cut us off. You're wrapping it up? We have to. It's almost, it's, yeah, it's done. Oh, sure. Um, More artists. Because I have so many questions about like the creative, um, like this whole creative process. And I I love that we're all talking about this. And it helps to have like someone like Corbett outside of our relationship to really kind of. To tell us that the truth is in the middle. (laughs) But to, yeah, like, to, to give us like a different perspective yeah, and like yeah, yeah. somebody who's like has like a history of, of, of doing the same things, you know, yeah. like just really working hard to do things. Yeah. So we'll have to have you go back yes. at some point. Okay. I would love okay. to. Would love and then to. we can For talk sure. about okay. it a little bit more deep, a little deeper. But usually yeah. we like to end um, on our final thoughts. And I use, we usually like say, hey, if you like this movie, then you should probably yeah. see this movie. Yeah, yeah. But today I have a different oh. question. Oh no, I made yes. a list. I made a list. <laughs> well, you can, you can work it into your answer because okay. you're very okay. smart like that. Okay. <laughs> what piece of advice would you guys give uh. to? What piece of advice would you guys give to to keep people encouraged in the world of the creative arts, especially in a place like Chicago, where like in the public schools it's being threatened so far as whether or not they're uh, even offering the programming because there's just like not enough funding. So. Like, what would you say to someone who's like, I want to be a creative person? I'm going to let Corbett take that. (laughs) (laughs) The the derision with which you just said that was like, you know what? I have nothing uplifting for you. What What I would tell them is that it's necessary. To be a creative person is not just a gift, but it is, uh, it is a mission. Like be that person. Also understand what your expectations are. You will not be necessarily rewarded for being that person, but it will teach you so much about yourself, about the world around you, about empathy. What it taught me is if I don't have something, asking for it isn't going to hurt me because I already don't have it. What are you going to tell me? No. Well, I don't have it anyway. So I may as well ask. And I got that from arts training that had nothing, right? Like they were building things out of nothing. And I'm happy to continue to do that. I wish I didn't have to, but I will. And I think that any creative person has that spirit about them. And it doesn't matter if everyone reads it, if no one reads it, you have to have that part of yourself kept alive or what the fuck is the point? Oh, I love that. Mm-hmm. You have to keep that part of yourself alive or what the fuck is the point? Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, I, I totally agree. I agree a hundred percent as somebody who has, has spent, most of my life being scared of being creative yeah adrian what would you be your advice i mean i just want to set the stage that like right now i sort of feel like rocky like before he gets to have like a championship fight right like i'm just like on the ground i feel like i've been beat up i'm bleeding so it's like that's like the vibe that i'm coming from but at the same time there's this other part of me that watches this movie and i'm like fuck yeah man this is all that there is you know it's the fucking arts and we're expressing ourselves and it's humanity and we're learning like that that's like 
my core self is that. So I don't have any um, advice, though I would say two things. I'm going to make my recommendations. Yes, go ahead. Okay, if people haven't read Corbett, have you read Trust Exercise? No. Okay, write it down right now. It's about like a performing arts high school. It's a fucking amazing book that I recommend to everyone. Um, and I also really enjoy Whiplash, the movie, which is about a jazz drummer. And it really feels parallel to my MFA experience where you just get abused the whole time. But there's also a very beautiful moment of catharsis at the end that I'm hopeful for. Oh, I love that. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I, like I, I will watch much. that. I haven't seen that. All right, mm-hmm. folks. Wait, I have, wait, wait. What's your advice? <laughs> I think yeah, wait my, a mine is probably pretty short. It's like, just enjoy what you're doing. You know, like creating is something that I actually really enjoy the work for even if it's hard even like when i'm struggling to 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 like form formulate a thought to write a recap or whatever i find that when you are pushing yourself in that way you'd be surprised at what you can do Mm -hmm. and i think that's fucking rad yeah it's a fucking rad thing to do you guys thanks so much yeah i enjoyed this i'm sorry uh christine if we ran a little long today but oh good okay Okay. great um (laughs) Christine gave a thumbs up. She's also a okay. woman of I, the arts. I could, just, I could just feel like we were going to get really emotional, the three of us. I was like, I'm, that I'm glad was I like didn't so cry. Great. Thanks for not making me cry. Yeah. <laughs> All not right. Yet. Thanks for. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> thanks for listening to Don't Ruin This For Me. Special thanks to the Lincoln Lodge and our producer, Christine Ferreira, and our graphic designer, Jessica Savage. Oh, my God. I think everyone is probably yes. looking more for more of us after listening to this episode. And they definitely want to check out our Substack newsletters. Mine's called Where the Fuck's My Happy Ending? And Elizabeth's is called Mixed Race Tape. Waka, waka, waka. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And you can follow the pod on Instagram at Don't Ruin This Pod. And if you wanted to find more Corbett, where can we find more yeah, yeah. Corbett? Uh, you can find me on all socials as Corbett. Uh, you can also go to uh, Corey and Sarah are famous.com. Uh, C-O-R-R-I-S-A-R-A because we're obnoxious, but that's also how our names are spelled. You can find us on YouTube. Uh, you can find me, like I said, C-O-R-R-B-E-T-T-E on Instagram, on TikTok on Facebook, it's all the same. I love it. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Next week, we guys, wait, we guys, we guys, words hard we to guys. say. Yes. Come back next week and we'll check out our high school life on the West Coast uh-huh. when we discuss Ooh. what? Fast Times at Ridgemont High. I have seen nice. this movie about 7,000 fucking times. Really? I don't think I've seen it this twice. This is 100% my pick and I am thrilled <laughs> to who's our guest uh it's supposed to be justin kaufman oh so we'll see a white, yes, ju- a you know, just, white man on the we, pod? we allow one one per season, season. one per one season. season yes all right well all right. Um, okay. yeah well and you know we'll what let's uh everybody come together to support middle-aged women's voices by rating That's and right. reviewing don't ruin this for me on your favorite podcast app yes thank yeah. you bye yeah. thanks everyone <laughs>